So welcome to episode 4 of the Process Breakdown Podcast. In today's interview, you will discover a step-by-step process to use when hiring a new employee or an independent contractor for your business. So why is this important? Well, it's one thing to systematize your entire business, but you also want to hire the right people because having systems and the right people in place in your company will make your life easier. My guest today breaks down his hiring system step by step by step so that you can learn and implement it in your business. But before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you tired of being a bottleneck in your business? Do you want to get everything that you know out of your head and document it so that your employees know exactly how to get tasks done correctly? Well, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sleep Process. Also, if you're already documenting procedures for your business, but you find out that the tools you're using are rather complex or your employees don't even like making use of the tools, well, we got an easier way for you. Go ahead and sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. And now, let's get started with the interview. Hi, everyone. My name is Owen Nagabinawa, and welcome to Process Breakdown Podcast, where I get successful entrepreneurs to come in here to reveal how they create systems and processes for their business which enabled them to now literally run their business on autopilot without their constant involvement. Today my guest is Dave Sherwin and he is the founder of Escape the Metrics, a holding company that has several e-commerce websites that sells wellness products and supplements. So Dave, Dave welcome uh, to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, uh, one of the things that this show is all about, you know, having entrepreneurs come here to talk about how they created systems for their business. But if you create a system and then you don't have the right people in your company to use those systems to deliver results to your customers, then the systems are essentially pointless. And during our pre-interview, you talked about how you, you, you literally have a step-by-step process for how, you know finding and hiring the right uh, people for your uh, company. And that's what we want to talk about during this interview. Uh, before that, I want to know more about you know, what does your company do and you know, what kind of pain do you solve for your customers? Well, you know, I'm an online marketer. That's kind of my main skill set. I've done this for about 10 years. I got really intrigued with the Internet and online marketing in about 2003. The supplements came later. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a health nut, okay? I, I do triathlons. I'm very competitive. I've been to the national championship. I, I try to get ranked in my age group. I'm really into this, okay? So I'm really into health and wellness. And what, one of the reasons why I want an automated business is so that I can enjoy my real passions which is my family and my sports and my friends and I don't want my entire life to be work which is what I see a lot of entrepreneurs fall into so it started with online marketing and then over time one of the things I learned from some pretty good marketers is you ought to market stuff you really love and really uh, are passionate about and and I you know I'm into supplements and every advantage I can get in my own performance uh, but even then, if I got into supplements, I realized the main need was weight loss. The fact is, most people can't go out and do a triathlon, and uh, the reason why is is because they've got a lot of pounds to lose. You know, 60% of Americans, for uh, for example, are overweight, and so that led me to really research the wellness arena, especially the weight loss arena, which is hyper competitive. But I was able to find niches within the weight loss arena and set up sites for for products. And that's really where we've had the most success. So basically, you set up this company where you have different niches where you provide uh, wellness products or supplements to different niches, and you have several different websites all underneath this 
uh, uh, company, holding company. That's the, the, the essence of what you said, right? That's right. We have about, oh, probably 80 websites now in play, some of which do very little, some of which do a lot, all of which we're constantly working on and trying to get the next thing to pop. Plus, as an entrepreneur, as you know, Owen, you can never get fat and happy. You can't think that, hey, the, you know, we got a few things really going on here, and so as much as we want to automate our businesses, we also have to be smart and monitor. You never want to let something get so automated that six months later it dies because you weren't paying attention. And so there's always that monitoring and always looking because also things can break. Websites that were performing uh, two years ago may not be performing uh, today. And so, so my main job, Owen, is to set these things in motion to get the systems happening, but then to not get lazy. I love what I do. I like work, um, but I, I like to not have to work, right? It's nice when the systems are working so that the work you do is optional. And so let me ask you a quick question. How, how many employees do you have uh, at your company right now? The technical question is actually zero because I don't hire employees. I only hire contractors. Okay. But in actual fact, those contractors are full-time, several of them that only work for me. And I, I have a combination. I have some contractors I don't need full-time. So, for example, right now I have two full-time people in the Philippines, one full-time person in India, I've got a staff of uh, a, a, a team in India that has 54 employees okay. um, where I have one go-to guy who will give the right assignment to whoever on his staff needs to do it. So that firm has been great. And for me, I only have to work with one guy, but I get the cumul cumulative brain power of 50. And then I've got a contractor in Salt Lake City here locally that works for me part-time as needed, but is an excellent PHP developer, very, very talented in all areas of um, under-the-hood type of, of development and working on websites. And he works for me probably 30 hours a month. And so that's the answer is three full-time, one part-time, and a staff okay. that, uh, as needed. So, and, and one of the things I always want to do is give viewers a kind of context as to you know, uh, how much revenue you're generating in your business and maybe even talk about what, what it was last year and what you expect it's going to be this year. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you had warned me you're going to ask that question. So I actually looked at my tax return. Last year our revenue was nine hundred sixty-seven thousand dollars. Awesome. And uh, frankly, this year probably be lower. I am uh, not to be negative, but I think we may only do eight hundred thousand. And honestly, that's okay. I'm rebuilding a couple things, and there's a few things that we've kind of taken a step back. So this will probably be a down year, but we're rebuilding with the hopes that we can scale bigger in 2014. So, you know, if my business does anything over 300000 I'm a happy camper, so I'm not going to complain. And, and the reason I ask that question, just in case the listener is wondering, is because I want you to know that we're about to talk to someone who's really running a real business, generating real revenue. We're not just wasting your time. This is real information that you can use in your business. And so, uh, I was trying to find out, you know, what's the lowest uh, point in your business? Describe how bad it got in, in your business so far. Well, I'll tell you, I had a real low point. A few years ago, before I discovered the wellness products, I was selling a service. We had a system for online marketers. I developed some skill in online marketing. I was having some success. And I put together a tool that online marketers could use and included an autoresponder and capture pages. And we hit on the network marketing niche. We found that network marketers were coming to the Internet, yeah. and they didn't really know what to do. And we built a system for them. And we got that system up to about $20,000 a month in revenue. And 
I'll tell you what happened, though, and it was really awful. So I was making a living from it. Things were going pretty good. And one day, we found out we got hacked. Well, it shouldn't have been too big of a deal. We had about five servers running this business. But that hacker was a good hacker, if there's such a thing, and got into our business good. And he started sending emails off our server, so our data center shut us down. And we could not get that guy out of our server. We changed the password. We did all these things. And, and long story short, I went from a $20,000 a month revenue stream to zero in six weeks. And that was the low point of my career. You also mentioned that you know in, in, in your business you have a lot of moving parts and yes. from large to small and so there's always this issue of you know back in the day before you systematize your business of overwhelm and you being the bottleneck uh, in your business. Can you explain more about that? Well, the story I just told leads to a great example of that. So, for example, I knew enough to build up the revenue stream, but not enough to secure my servers. I didn't have that level of expertise. I had no one on my team who had that level of expertise. I didn't even know who to go to. So the first thing I had to do is scramble and go, what do you do when your server gets hacked? And it, it was a learning process. And so that was one of the moving parts that because I was so focused on everything else, I had ignored. I didn't know that security was an important part of an online business. A uh, very hard lesson to learn. And, um, and so to your point, what I found is issue number one, you got to know your business. You, and, and the only way I know of to do that, Owen, is to find people that are bigger and better and smarter than me and to network with them. That's one thing. I love to find people that are more successful than me and take them to lunch. I do that pretty much every month and sometimes more often. Anytime I can get around someone who's done something bitter, bigger and better than me, I pick up these little tidbits. I might be describing to them my process and they might say, well, Dave, have you considered this? and they tell me something I hadn't considered. And so that's one great tip, Owen, that has really been great for me is, is developing a network of people. And let me, let me tell you uh, something. I don't care how successful a person is, they like to be taken to lunch. A, a small-time guy, the, the people listening to your podcast right now that might be thinking, well, I, I don't have any skills, I'm not doing anything yet. Think of people who are successful and offer them lunch, you'll be surprised at the caliber of person that can teach you and mentor you in your business for 20 bucks for an inexpensive lunch somewhere. So that has really helped me. And, and then I've learned to break my business down into the major parts. So for example, when we build a website, there's three major headings. There's graphic design, development, and marketing. And what we found is from those three major points, we have to have the right people on board who are experts in development. Development is different than graphic design, and graphic design is different than development, typically. And marketing is different again. And so what I found is when I break it in my tool down into those three components, and from them there, subcategorize everything into those categories, and make sure that somebody besides me is on top of each of those areas. So we, we start with that type of of organization from the three major elements of the site and then drill on down to who would be responsible for which area. And so I see how you, you, you came to the point where you, you've broken down your business into the different uh, parts of the, the business, kind of like a conveyor belt with different parts to it and it's, you, know, you have things flowing through and everybody at a specific part is responsible for getting things done. But then it now comes to the point where we have to talk about you know, uh, your, your hiring process because 
that was something that really got me saying, you know, I, I want to interview you specifically on, on your hiring process. So yeah. could you walk me through kind of, you know, each of the stages of the hiring process that you have? Well, first of all, I use an online service called Odesk. Now, some of your listeners are probably familiar with Odesk, and if not, they might have heard of Elance. I don't know that there's any advantage one over the other, and so I'm not here to sell those services to anybody. But I'm just going to say I'm very happy with Odesk. That's the service that I use. And so, first of all, the thing I love about Odesk, Owen, is they already have a, a fairly significant screening process in place. The person has to take certain tests. For example, a big one is English. A lot of people now all around the world speak English as a second language but may not have the skills necessary to work with me yeah. and in the particular task. So ODESC forces them to do, they don't force them, but they, they, they offer various tests. There's tests in SEO, graphic design. There's tests in, in uh, how fast they can type and many of the different skills they may require. And not only that, Owen, oh, what's really amazing, they track that user's hours spent in Odesk for other contractors like myself and those contractors I can look up what projects they've done what kind of rating the person gave them for the work that they did how much experience do they have what skills do they list yeah. so when you go to a service like this Owen you're starting with a huge head start because you're able to only look at job applicants that have the basic skills that you already require and are doing well in the tests okay and so I guess you primarily use sites like Odesk. And so walk me through that uh, process. You know, you, you have a specific role in your business now that even though they're not employees, they come in as contractors that are going to be doing the work on an ongoing basis. So That's they, right. Yeah. They, the word employee, really, they are technically contractors. But, yeah, they're going to work for me hopefully long term. Now, here's a couple high-level tips on that I've learned through blood, sweat, and tears that I hope people realize how, how, uh, how valuable these tips can be as they go about this process. Number one, that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about, and this is, a, this is a little secret nugget that is key. Give the job description, the job posting, a really great title. You see, one of the things the contractor wants, they don't want to be a graphic designer, but they'd love to be a senior graphic designer. <laughs> And that little difference between senior graphic designer or, you know, put something on there to make this sound. For example, when I'm hiring an executive assistant, I put executive assistant, not virtual assistant. Okay. The word executive sounds better. And to the person applying for the job, you see what they want is good history. They want to, get, they want to build up their own resume and have some experience at a, a good-sounding job. So if they ever leave my employee, it sounds like they've done a really great job. Uh, when they go to apply for the next one. So a great title is critical. So I guess at that very stage of where you're trying to find the right person to handle the task, is, as you, you have to think like a marketer. You're trying to sell the position. And you are. That's right. You're looking for a person that's responding well, that's thinking, wow, that's the type of job I want to have. Yes. Okay. And so when you now have applicants come in, what kind of tracking system do you have you know, to be able to choose the, the right people to, who probably will go to the next process, which is the interview process. So now we are the tracking part of well, the... Well, before you get to that point, once okay. you've come up with a great title, what's really important is that you do an excellent job of describing exactly what you want. You not only want to list the skills you're looking for, yeah. you want to give them examples. You want to tell them, for example, if I'm hiring, hiring a developer, I need to let them know we use WordPress. 
That's our platform. You must have experience in WordPress. For example, example, I'll, I'll state, do not apply if you have less than three years experience. Sometimes I might say five years experience. So just think through how many years experience are you looking for? What do they have to know? Sometimes I will state if it's graphic design, I'll say, if you apply, please provide me three links to the work you're most proud of. You see how that works? I, I want to know, what have they done? And you'd be amazed how many people you weed out by asking them for examples of their work. A lot of people can't provide examples, and so they don't apply for the job because they can't answer that question. So if you really think through who you're looking for, how much experience they have to have, and what skills they need, they have to weed themselves out, so you're only looking at the best people. And what I get from that is, you know, really be clear on what the job description is and what you expect from them and kind of the experience that you, you need them to have. But then inside of the job description, too, you're also putting things in there that they got to critically have to have read the, the job description and have to deliver those things to you. Like, you know, you're asking, in, for example, now you're saying you're asking them to show you the best work they've done. If it's someone who is not diligent enough to, to read the entire description, they won't see that. They will just jump over it. And you just know if someone sends you a response and it's not what you asked for in it, then this is not the right person. <laughs> you know? That's right. And you've got to be prepared because, Owen, once you, once you post some of these jobs, I kid you not, you can have 50 applicants to go through within 24 hours. So you've got to be prepared. And if you didn't do a good job on that description, the weeding process is going to be a lot harder than it, than it needs to be. So other criteria that you can set is how much you're going to pay, how many hours a week you want them to work. What are the things that they're looking for? Now think about this one. On Odesk, for example, and I'm sure it's similar on Elance, it'll say, for how long will this job last? And, you know, some jobs, sure, you only need someone to do something for a week. Yeah. That's fine. But for the most part, they're not interested in doing a job for a week. They're looking for a long-term thing. They're looking to feed their family. Yeah. And so anytime you can that you put job will last six months or more, you're going to get more applicants and more qualified applicants. Plus, the other thing you're going to get when you offer a long-term gig is that people will often give you a lower price. If they feel like you're legit and you're offering them something they can count on for a year or two years or three years, they'll often give you their best hourly rate. And I'm curious, just on the part of you know posting the job out there and trying to get them to weed themselves out, is there any story that, from your experience that you can share with us on how you know, based on how you created the job description and the information you put in there, you were able to weed out the, the fluff and get the right people. Anything comes to mind that you can share? Well, uh, I wish I had a better answer to that question because the fact is, even when you nail it, even if you nail it every bit of it, you do a perfect job, people lie. And there, there's people that are going to apply anyway that never yeah. should have applied, and you're just going to have to go through and delete some of them anyway. But to give a better answer to your question, what I do is I, I do keep track of all my job descriptions. I keep them on, I have a, a, a file on my computer for hiring because it's easy to forget. It's easy to, to, to just kind of get lazy and go, I, I need a new virtual assistant. And you just jump in and you just do it off the cuff. And then you forget a little thing. For example, I'll give you an example. I recently hired somebody and I forgot to mention they must work US hours. 8 till 5 yeah. mountain time. That's pretty important. I forgot to mention it and I end up hiring a guy who was in Pakistan who didn't get the memo and he's going to work while I'm asleep, you see, the, yeah. and it was my fault. And we were able to resolve that luckily because he was, 
he, he was actually willing to work U.S. hours. He kind of said, you know what, I kind of know I've got to start working U.S. hours anyway. I'll accommodate you. I'll just start with you as my first contractor I work U.S. hours for. But that was a, my bad. That was a pretty big mistake to, to not tell someone they wouldn't be working their normal daylight hours. So basically, if you, if you see yourself hired for the same kind of position over and over again, you craft kind of like a story or a set of requirements that you're always going to need and keep it some way so that you can always use refer to that simply for hiring that same person over and over again next time the, the need arises. That's what I'm getting from that. that. That's right. And another little trick I've learned, on is although we as entrepreneurs, we're like ready, fire, aim mentality. We like to get things done. We like to shoot from the hip. We like to go with the flow. In this process, you don't want to do that. Um, better to write it all out and then not post it yet. Come back to it tomorrow. Come back to it and review everything and really think through that. And have I forgotten everything? Is there a skill I've forgotten? How does this read? Will they really understand it? it? It's worth getting this part right. If you can nail that job description and what you're looking for right up front and everything you really want, it's not a process you want to rush. So you want to, you want to get it right. Okay, so now we're going to this point where there's, you know, the applicants are coming in. So do you have an applicant tracking system to, to you know, to, 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 to whittle down from all the applicants that you get and is this process in which you use? Well, that's another brilliant part of using, using ODesk. So here's what happens. Let's go back to what I said a minute ago. Let's say you got 50 applicants to weed through. Well, the first thing that I can do is I can see how much their hourly rate is. So for example, if I'm willing to pay $5 per hour for this particular position, and I've got applicants who are $17 and $15 and $12 and $11 per hour, I can immediately eliminate those. Now, you can actually establish uh, not an exact range, but you can say on Odesk whether you're looking for low wage, medium wage, or high wage. And that, that's more fair to the contractors so they know what they're trying to show up for. You got to remember, Owen, for some people that are new to this game, um, I've got a virtual assistant who's been with me for five years uh, in India. And um, uh, I pay him $180 a week. And he's got a college degree in computer science. He's phenomenal. He's my right-hand man. Over the last five years, he's learned my business better than I have. If I'm on vacation and something breaks, he can fix it. Okay? He's become my go-to guy, and he's wonderful. And some people might think, well, Dave, you cheapskate, $180 a week. That's not that much. You know what, On That's equivalent to about $60,000 a year in rupees. It's a, it's a job he's very happy to have. He's been able to get married on that that wage. He's been able to enjoy his life and travel and get new clothes for the first time. Here's a guy who was born in a hut with a dirt floor who's now got a decent working wage uh, with me. And uh, so this outsourcing concept on it's it's a win-win. You're, 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 you know, this is one thing I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about hiring people from disadvantaged countries. Um, I've been to the Philippines. I've worked with people in the Philippines. I've been to India, flown out there. I've worked with them. I've seen their conditions. We've sat together. We've broken bread together. And uh, for me, that's part of the passion is actually hiring contractors from other countries, getting to know their culture and their language and their customs and their, their holidays and, and their families. And, and knowing that I, as a U.S. businessman, am able to take U.S. dollars and create a great lifestyle uh, for them, and yet it's a win for me too because I can do it at, at uh, lower than U.S. market rates. And so, you know, there's some people who don't agree with that, but that's part of my MO. You're, you're preaching to the choir right here, so I, <laughs> I wouldn't even get into that because I actually have a virtual assistant firm uh, 
that's a different story. But anyways, yeah. the, the, the thing is, I'm trying to get into more details about, you know, the, the applicant tracking system that you have now. Because when these applicants okay. come in, you say you screen them based on maybe the, the price that they are willing to take on. Yeah, the so there become some obvious ones. Uh, uh, another big one you might want to look for is there are firms out there that are applying for the job, and you have to decide, do I want a firm for this one, or am I looking for a go-to person that just reports directly to me, because there's a big difference there, and so you might weed out according to that. Um, another one is, um, right away, Owen, just reading the description of themselves, the person can't even write a good description of themselves, and they do a poor job representing themselves, and I can learn a lot about their English skills, just from how they reach out to me and how well they communicate with me. So I'm able to weed out some, and so now I've got my list of 50, I'm able to quickly go, uh, some that are uh, out of my, my range in terms of price, yeah. uh, can they not communicate very well, do they not have the skills that I listed, and then uh, in ODESC you can click a little button that puts them on your short list. Yeah. So step number one is to short list uh, Typically, I'll end up with 10 to 20% of the entire list on my short list. Okay. okay. From the short list, my next process is to carefully review each of those before I contact them and look at their sample work, their history, the, sample pro the, the exact projects they've done for other entrepreneurs and whether it was, you know, fits in what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to eliminate another batch of them again. And now I've got a short short list and now I contact those people and this is critical Owen this is how I I weed it down again without wasting any time contacting anybody I send the people on my short short list mm -hmm. a simple email saying uh, a contact a contact it's not an email you're contacting them through Odesk but I send the contact saying my Skype ID is reach out to me during business US business hours and I'd like to discuss this job with you. And now, a lot of them will weed themselves out because they won't even find you on Skype and, and, and show up uh, and try to contact you. And that, to me, just lets them eliminate themselves because they don't even have the initiative to come yeah. on Skype and find me. And so I make myself a little bit kind of hard to get. And once I see those people pop up on Skype, now I know, okay, now I've got the people that are, that are really worth talking to. So I, let me see if I can summarize that a little bit. So after you've you know gotten the applicant list, you have created like a short list. Now you dive in and look at you know feedback they've gotten from previous jobs and see <laughs> if you know they, they actually can do this job and maybe even how long do they do the the tasks that are similar to yours. Then you create a second short list based on those who you like the the feedback that they got from people who hired them in the past. And then mm -hmm. this third part now is now you're giving them the opportunity to to reach out to you proactively and. The listener who's listening to this can even come up with a different kind of test to, to test. But this is your test. Is you, you try and get them to proactively reach out to you on Skype, and only a few of them will, and that leads you to a shorter short list. And now you come to the interviewing process point, right? That's correct. And now, now after doing all of that, guess what you learn over time, Owen? What? You still don't know until you hire them. <laughs> <laughs> They're still on trial. You, you, you're only getting started when you hire them. Now, now here, I'll give you an example. I hired. Uh, I mentioned hiring this firm in uh, in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. When I hired them, I had narrowed it down to two firms because in this case, I wanted a firm. I wanted a go-to leader yeah. that I could give any task to, and he would get it done. That's what I was looking for. Something more broad, 
So not the limited skill set of an individual, but the power of a team. Yes. I narrowed it down to two. They both looked equally good to me. So you know what I did? I hired them both. Wow. I hired them both. I gave them both the exact same assignments. And that, at that particular time, I was developing a logo for a new website, so some graphic design. I had some transcription that I needed done. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that I'm forgetting now, I hired them both. I gave them both the exact same projects and said, go. And by the time that first project was done, I knew which firm was better than the other firm because of the work that I got back. And so I let the one guy go. I said, I'm sorry, but we've done this project together. It hasn't been that good. Your communication wasn't what I needed. And you took too long. This isn't going to work out. I'm sorry. And I closed that contract and ended up going with the one that worked. And so you, you got to be willing to actually put them to work. And that's when you really find out if you've got the right person. And so what I get from that is you, 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 when you get down to your shortlist and you do your interview and now you're about to hire them, you want to also not just hire them outright. You want to test to make sure that they work. It's kind of like a split A-B test. You, you, maybe you now have like three, three candidates out of the ten that are your favorite and you just split test all of them. And maybe you have to even pay them too to do the work and say, okay, Go ahead, do the work. Let's let's see how it goes. Do you yeah, I mean, what if, you know, you it's not that much money, right? These yeah. are inexpensive. You, you, it probably cost me fifty bucks, right? <laughs> to find out that firm wasn't any good. Well, that's fifty dollars. Well, well spent. Okay, now, yeah, yeah. Now I rarely do that. I rarely hire two at the same time. It just in that particular time it makes sense. Keep in mind, I could hire the person number one, mm -hmm. and if I if I'm unhappy with their work, I can always go back to my short list and hire person number two as well. So you don't have to do it the way I did it. Okay. And so I, I, I like this. You've you really broken it down, you know, and you, now you're at the point where you test and you've chosen the right person. Uh, is there anything I'm missing in between the steps between testing and choosing the right person? Is there anything else that you want to cover regarding this hiring process that you use? We talked about it, but not a lot, and that is actually reviewing their reviewing samples of their work. You, you want to get samples. You want to see what they've actually done. Uh, and even their own, unfortunately, people lie. People will give you a website that they didn't build. Mm -hmm. uh, they will, uh, for example. And so, so really, um, really, until you hire them and put them to work, uh, you don't know for sure what you're going to get, even after going through all that. So be prepared. Don't expect to hit a home run every time you hire somebody. That's a, that's a tip of the day right there. It doesn't work that way. And also, when you hire them, are you putting them kind of like on a probationary basis where it's like, they also have to meet certain performance in order for them to eventually now become, you know, this is really an ongoing relationship as opposed to we're still in a test phase. You understand the distinction I'm making? I do, but no, I don't do that. Okay. I, I simply hire them with faith. After doing all that work, I assume they're going to work out and do a good job. They're contractors, so there's no long-term commitment. Yeah. And uh, if they don't work out, then that's the, the tough decision entrepreneurs have to make is, Going back and saying, I'm sorry, we worked together for two weeks or two months or whatever it is, and I'm just not getting the quality of work that I need or in a timely manner or whatever the case is. And so, no, I don't do a probationary phase. I just hire them, and uh, I hope they work out. And now, Owen, I, you got to be fair with people. I, I see people too often hire someone, and you got to take responsibility because you got to give someone a chance. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't let someone go too quickly who just needed to get to know you better, needed to understand your communication better. And also, I can't tell you how many times I've embarrassed myself by getting angry with somebody and giving a little attitude when I didn't get a project the way I expected it to be or when I expected it to be. 
and then finding out that my communication was poor. Uh, I had one just very recently where I told the web designer firm to hold off on a website. And then later, I had given them an assignment to make the logo bigger in the upper left-hand corner of the website, and they didn't do it. And I caught the guy on Skype and said, hey, listen, I need this site improved. And he said, sir, you told me to stop working on the site. I'd sent him a mixed message. I'd never said it was go time again, you see. And he didn't know whether he got the assignment for the logo before or after. I had shut him down. And I came in there with attitude that wasn't deserved. And so I've done that too many times. I've, I'm trying much better. We've got to all be patient with people, give people a fair shot, and understand that a lot of times we make mistakes in our communication. So be willing to be patient and work through it with people before you just let them go. I like how you've gone through your, your, your hiring process and the, the, the different steps involved. But I'm wondering, how do you manage each stage of your hiring process so that nothing falls through the cracks? I'm curious, is there any way you... You know, back to Odesk, this is one of the reasons I love Odesk, is because it really makes it dummy-proof for you. For example, uh, they, they track all of these people. They track everyone on the short list. Um, if you sit too long with a, a open job, they'll send you a reminder saying, hey, this job has not been staffed yet. Did you still want to fill it? Did you want to close it? And so uh, they just make it so easy for us, Owen, as entrepreneurs, to hire people. Uh, that this is one of the reasons I'm so committed to hiring people through Odesk. Now, let me throw out another little thing. They charge 10%. If I'm going to pay, if I want someone to receive $5 per hour, I'm going to pay five fifty. Okay. Now, you're going to hear people that say, well, here's what you do. You, you run with it for 90 days or two months or one month, then you reach out to them and you just hire them directly to save 50 cents. Oh, and that's a bad philosophy. It's basically, in my opinion, it's kind of like stealing yeah. The service found them for you. They do a lot of good things for you. Every Monday, they charge my credit card for all the hours that I have to pay for the previous week. They do a lot of stuff. I feel like I get more than my 10% worth. And I like the fact that they're all in Odesk. And for, for a lot of reasons, from integrity um, to the management and the tools they provide, I recommend that you think a little bigger. Don't, don't, don't trip over, over dollars to save dimes. Right? You're already getting a great value. Uh, through outsourcing, and so I recommend you stick with the service that you start with. And just so you know that uh, some of the people listening to this call now, they are in that same vein where they are the same level with you where they're going out and hiring contractors on outsourcing work, but there are some people who literally want to you know, craft the ideas you're sharing on here with the hiring process to literally turn into hiring real employees that are coming in-house. Is there anything that, you know, based on what you've been sharing so far, that such a person who is trying to hire a real employee in their in-house might need to you know, borrow from this idea and craft for themselves? Is, is there anything that they might need to know specifically? I'm just curious. I'll throw out a little philosophy and that is hire slow and fire fast. <laughs> right? Be careful who you hire. Now, unlike the contractor situation, um, I have the luxury of being able to let them go after hiring them if they don't perform and they understand that's what they signed up for and that's, that's life. Now, it's different when you're hiring someone to come into your building and sit at a desk. You're making a kind of a commitment to them now. Mm -hmm. they, they are now excluding other job opportunities they may have taken. They're coming to work with you. And so I'd say you need to take more time even than I just described. You need to go all through, through all the same steps. You need to talk to their employer. You need to find feedback. You've got to do all the same things. You just do it differently and maybe even more slowly. And maybe you can actually do what you mentioned a few minutes ago 
and say, hey, would you come work with us just for a week? We'll pay you for your week. And let's just get to know, make sure you like us and we like you uh, before we make a longer-term commitment. Because hiring an employee is a higher level of commitment than hiring a contractor. And on, as business owners, we have human responsibility here. We're providing a livelihood for people. It's a big deal. Yeah. And, and too many business owners don't take that seriously. And so if you're going to bring someone into your building to sit in a seat and use a desk, um, you're making a commitment to them as well as they're making to you. So be even more careful. And so maybe I'm even thinking at this point now is if the person listening to this is in a situation where they want to hire employees because it's a more longer term commitment than your situation where they're contractors. Even though you are hiring contractors who stay with you long term, like you just mentioned your, your virtual assistant, five years, you know, so it's, it's different in the sense that the uh, employees, uh, maybe the person listening to this now might have to maybe even include things like you know, drug testing, you know, background checks, you know, even reference checks, uh, just to make sure that, hey, when I hire this person on board and give them, you know, a, a job offer, you know, I've done everything on my checklist for hiring to make sure that they are the right person. So hire slow and fire fast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Taking in mind what I said earlier, make sure it's not your fault. Don't fire so fast that you realize, wait a minute, I should have been more patient with that person. But what I mean is, if you discover that they just can't do the job, don't let them linger. That's not fair to you or them. If they cannot perform, but don't hire, don't fire fast if they possibly could perform and you just need to work with them a little bit more. One more tip, Owen, for the yeah. guy that has the, the uh, real business. I had a real business. As a matter of fact, I built up a business. But you from have a real business making $900,000. <laughs> so let's get that straight so people understand. You yeah. have a real business. It's just the way yeah, you're going about it different. <laughs> It is a real business, but I mean virtual. Yeah, brick vir online. Versus yeah. Vir virtual, right? Yeah. I used to have a brick and mortar business. Yeah. And uh, from 1993 to 2000, I built that business up and I sold it for $430,000 in 2000. It's actually kind of cool. That's the first business I sold. Uh, but I learned something in the last uh, two or three years of that business that I would do again if I had a brick and mortar business. And that is, I hired an employee leasing company. They did my payroll. They helped me with the hiring. They had they provide human resources. Highly recommend it. You end wow. up it's it's kind of like uh, glorified uh, payroll service, <laughs> but it's better than that because they actually uh, lease the employees to you, and so they're full time to you. They're just like any other employee, except as a small business, you can have the power of a big business, uh, an HR firm. Get yeah, I, I could call it. For example, I had a guy. I had a guy crash a vehicle while he was on drugs while working for me. Wow. And I had the employee leasing company, and they were able to walk me through the legalities of it. Do I need to fire him? Uh, what, how do we take care of insurance issues, the whole bit? It was wonderful. If I'd have been on my own through that, I would have made different decisions and probably wrong decisions. So check into an employee leasing company if you have a brick-and-mortar business. could really uh, work out well for you. It did for me. I like that because what I find from that is that, okay, even if you're going the hiring the employee route, right, there's certain things that you don't want to concentrate on, like HR, benefits, and all these things that even some states might even require. So there are yeah. companies out there that provide this stuff for you, and you can just liaisons with them, and they can help you manage the aspects of HR, benefits, and all that that you don't want to focus on, but they will help you manage it while you and your employees focus on stuff that drive revenue, the important parts of the business, I guess. That's exactly right. And just like you said, we were able to offer health insurance and a variety of other things that I could never have 
have provided as a small business owner. That business, we had about 14 employees. It wasn't very big. We had a 6,000 square foot shop. We had a few vehicles. So small business did about 1,350,000 our last year, to, to give you an example of the size of the business. And that size of business is tough. It's hard when you have a lot of employees to provide uh, very much. And so, so my employees were able to go directly to the leasing company to get a lot of benefits I couldn't have done. Yeah, it's a great concept. And I really enjoy the fact that you've walked us through this whole entire hiring process you have on your current business and also shared some ideas that, you know, someone who's hiring an employee in maybe a brick and mortar business, you know, ideas that he can uh, uh, use. And now, now we're done with the hiring part of the, of the interview. I won't talk more now about, you know, systems and, you know, because we're telling the audience that you're basically a systematize your entire business and it literally yep. runs without you for the most part. And we want to just, you know, ask you a couple questions regarding that as well. So, uh, what kind of challenges did you have initially when you were trying to create systems for your business? Well, I had a lot of challenges because that's not me, okay? I'm not a numbers guy and I'm not a systems guy. Those things are not natural to me, so I had to overcome them. I'm more of the, the, the visionary and the marketer, okay? And, and guys like me, we love to create sales funnels and do advertisements and all that kind of stuff. But to do anything that's methodical and systematic was against my nature. So the first thing I had to overcome was my own weaknesses. One of the things that really helped me was a book called The E-Myth wow. by Michael Gerber. Uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's been around a long time. And uh, that helped me to get into system uh, thinking. And so, so that was the biggest challenge was myself. I, I had to, you know, IBM's old statement, the system is the solution is so true and as entrepreneurs we have to remind ourselves when something goes wrong or something's not going uh, how we want it to go we don't need to look usually past the system it's usually not the, the fault of a person it's it's rarely the fault of anything except a system breakdown and so we have to adjust our thinking to that so anytime there's an issue it's an opportunity to go back to the system that you have to figure out why is that an issue because it's not a person problem it's a system problem. That's what I'm getting from that. That's that's right. And that's a certain philosophy, right? It's a way of thinking. It's not necessarily true, but it's effective. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. And, and if, if we go through the hiring process that you have, which is, has helped us to screen out to get the right person now, so let's say everything works out correctly. Now you have the right person. If there are problems now, you can no longer blame the person. It's more about the system. So that's why the hiring process that you covered is very important. And that's the opposite of how a lot of people do it, right? They're always blaming people. Uh, the owner of the business is, is saying, well, that's your fault, that's your fault, that's your fault. And this way of thinking, like I say, they may be right, but that's not effective. Instead, you want to think, the system is the problem. How could that person have succeeded in a better system? And so even when it is the person's fault, we don't call it the person's fault, we fix the system in which they perform. Yeah, there's so much noise in the background now. <laughs> Can you hear that noise? <laughs> I cannot even mute the noise. But anyways, let's go ahead, uh, regardless of the noise in the in the background here. But um, you said one of the challenges that you had was the issue of communication. Uh, uh, how did you solve that problem? Especially, how do you even teach your employees to better communicate? That, that was one of the things that you mentioned during the pre-interview. What I did is I started using a service. Uh, at first, we started using simple docs and communication that everyone else uses, like email. And we became power users 
of Google Docs. It's now called Google Drive, as I'm sure you know. Uh, but we, we would use spreadsheets. We would, we would keep track of systems on their docs. We would share those with everyone that needed to be shared with them. And we ran a long way down the track with that. But, but finally, uh, oh, and the big part that was missing was task management and assigning tasks and follow up, up on tasks. And so my business kind of outgrew the whole Google Drive thing. The tool that I use now is called Basecamp. And uh, I'm, not, you're I'm sure you're familiar with it because you're in that genre of, of yeah. system tools. Um, and we use that tool. And so in, in that tool, I'm able to create documents, the document processes. I could upload videos that describe how to do certain things, which we do a lot of, by the way. Um, I'm able to give the tasks and follow up with the tasks. It automatically sends me a daily recap of everything that happened on every project that day. Yeah. And uh, Basecamp is a huge part of our system now. And one of the things I want to find out is, uh, give me more. Can you dive into more details about what systems you have in place to enable all your employees to know exactly what to do? I'm assuming that. Uh, most of the stuff are uh, happening on a recurring and repetitive basis. Is that the case? And how do you document the, 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 the way they get stuff done? Well, that's a hard question to ask because in the one hand, my initial reaction is, well, you just do. You just have to detail out. So let's go back to the original job description. Remember we talked a lot about the skills they needed to have and what they would be doing. Yeah. So think about that. How well did you do that? Because ideally, what you laid out for them on day one, is what they will be doing. And so much of it should already be explained to them other than the details of how to implement it in your particular business. So for each Basecamp project, we include the right people, and then we also include things like their job description. I actually include a pasted job description, and sometimes I go and review that with someone and say, hey, listen, let's review all the things. Because you know what I found on time and time again? is there might be 10 specific tasks that a person has to do on a daily basis, for example. Mm -hmm. And three weeks into the job, I'd be shocked if they've mastered more than three of them. Okay. And it needs, it needs some review. You've you got to be, again, don't assume that, here's a saying for you, telling is not training. Don't assume that because you train someone thoroughly one time that they are trained. That's a bad assumption on your part and it's unrealistic. Neither you or me or anyone else on the planet can sit and listen to instructions for an hour, remember them all, and execute them perfectly for the next month. It's just not possible. And yet, as business owners, we sometimes expect like that, hey, you dummy, you should have known that. Come on, I told you that on day one. Well, that's not fair. Telling them that on day one is not enough. There's got to be repetition, reminders, follow-up, interviews. Say, hey, let's talk about your job description. I've got an employee right now. Uh, that's been with me. It's a very high-level job. As a matter of fact, don't I, I don't believe I did this. I totally forgot to mention him. He's local. I have a local employee uh, for Escape the Matrix, and he is my assistant on the radio show. Okay. And he, he has many things to manage in his world. His name's Dan. He's phenomenal. He's very talented. I'm very happy to have him on board. But i got to tell you, at least weekly right now, I have to review the entire list with him because it's so overwhelming and because there's detail in there that is easy to miss. So I have to be very patient and never think, hey, I told you this, because again, there's a lot I've told him. I can't expect him to remember it all. And there's different levels of learning. Learn knowledge, or like textbook knowledge, is the fundamental first area of learning. Yeah. But until you go out there and implement it a little bit, you don't really learn it, right? It's like teaching swimming lessons in a classroom. 
You can describe water to the children. You can talk about what it'll feel like when they jump in, the sensation of the cold and the water and the floating. You can describe all that in the classroom, and it means nothing until you throw them in the pool. So I get that you've you know, documented you know, for all the different aspects of your business how tasks uh, need to get done. But is that based on the fact that you knew how the tasks should be done? That's why you documented them? I'm, I'm just curious. Or I'm trying to, I guess maybe the question I'm trying to ask is, in situations where you don't know how the task needs to get done, how do you still systematize and, and, and document it for those who are coming to do the work? That's an excellent question because keep in mind some of the people I have on my bus. I've got Stan who's a PHP developer who's very, very talented and I don't know what he does. All I know is the result that I want. Okay. I, can't, I can't micromanage him because I don't know his world. The best that I can do is describe to him the end result that I want and that's where we come back to did I hire the right guy because if he doesn't understand what I want, I may understand how he did the programming and how the code works. All I know is does this do what I want it to do or not? And so in some cases, it's going to be beyond your ability. You're not going to understand how they do what they do. For the case of a developer, a graphic designer, for example, or someone building you uh, an app, yeah. or whatever the case might be. And so in that case, that's where it comes right back to, did I hire the right person? Is this person capable of building what I want? And I'm putting my confidence in them, and I may understand every moving part. In, in their world, so I got to depend on them knowing the job. In other cases, I know the whole job description inside out, like my customer support reps. Yeah. I can train them personally. I know exactly everything they have to do. I know the tools that they're going to use. I can easily train them. I can listen in on some of the actual live phone calls that they make to make sure I'm happy with how they're answering the phone, etc. I can monitor. Um, we use a, a, a service. Oh, What's it called? It'll come to me. But we use a ticketing service, OS Ticket. Okay. Uh, that's part of our system. So our customer can create a ticket. My my rep can respond to the ticket, and I can go in there anytime I want and see how did so and so respond to this ticket? What question was asked? How was it answered? And so that's the monitoring that we have to do to make sure they're they're implementing correctly. So we keep the we create a great job description. We then have documents within Basecamp that they can easily access on what the details of it are. Um, also, um, Owen, one of the things we found is uh, that accessing tools can be a problem. Um, you know, there's a lot of tools that we use in online yeah. marketing, login details, etc. And so that's also another thing. We actually keep a, a document with every project for all the login details a person would need for whatever tools they would have to use. So those are the types of documents and lists that we keep to help them get their job done. And also, you also mentioned that because one of the things that you, you, you've actually kind of said is that you know not only do you, in some cases you know how the work gets done, you document it, but then you also have the money to track that the work gets done because after the training, it's also them doing the work, and then as they're doing the work, you're tracking to make sure that they, they deliver. And then the other case where you hire like the PHP developer where he's doing stuff that you have no idea how to do, you are still tracking to verify the results to make sure that, hey, this person is delivering what you want. And, and I'm curious, are there any other ways in which you track and verify the results delivered by your employees? I think you mentioned uh, something about tracking based on revenue that's generated on the business. Something about Google Analytics, if you can remember, if you can explain that. Well, Google Analytics is how we track the end result. If all of this work doesn't lead to revenue, we're doing something wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to be busy and to get all these tasks done. So my particular business happens to be a very task-oriented business. Yeah. Give a task, 
get it done, follow up, next task. Sometimes issuing five or six tasks at a time, but we're very, very task oriented. We don't use a calendar very much. Yeah. Most businesses probably use a calendar a whole lot more than we do. We're very task heavy. And at the end of the day, yes, Google Analytics is the key. Did all the tasks that we gave out and all the assignments to build a website and make it function end up in revenue? And if it didn't end up in revenue, we're in trouble. Now, I've been around the block with this, and i got to tell you, the fact is most of the projects I set out to do fail. Okay. It's just the way it is. Most websites that I think are a great idea, I put out there, I spend money on them, we go for it, and a year later, they're not making much money. And so that's part of the difficulty of online marketing is not everything you think is a good idea is a good idea. So at the end of the day, we have to be determining, okay, we're tracking this. This is how much money we're bringing in. At what point do you pull the plug? And that's an important decision as an entrepreneur that at times you've got to make. I pulled the plug on a, a project I put over $20,000 into just recently because we just could not get it to fly. And finally, I just had to say, well, the opportunity cost of working on this and not working on something that's probably better is too high. And, yep, we learned all that from analytics and from the bank account. It wasn't generating the cash. And so at the end of the day, the Google Analytics. So Google Analytics is, is one of the best online tools out there. Oh, and a lot of people are not using it. And if they are using it, they're not using it fully. The e-commerce functionality of Google Analytics is unbelievable. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many small businesses I see that have analytics on. They know how many people visited their site, for example, but they haven't linked it to their shopping cart. Major mistake. You wouldn't believe the data and what you can learn from turning on the e-commerce side of, of uh, Google Analytics. And so uh, I think one of the things that I want to also find out is now that you have uh, you know, so much free time uh, uh, and, and your business is running without you, I'm, I'm curious, what's kind of the longest time that you've been away from your business and not even had to do anything working in business? What's the longest time you've been away from your business? The longest period I've been away from my business and completely disconnected. Because, you know, there's times I'm away, but I'll check email and I'll take care of business during the day, right? Mm -hmm. But the longest time I've been totally disconnected was 11 days. Uh, we went on an Alaskan cruise from Seattle. We cruised from Seattle to Alaska. And, and literally, I didn't even try to get online. I just left my business 100%. I didn't think about it. Me and my wife had a wonderful time on this cruise. It was amazing. And I came back, and of course, one of the things I was wondering was, what kind of fires might have started that need to be put out by me, mm -hmm. and what kind of problems might I have in my business? Because that was a real good test of how automated my business was, right? And yeah. I'm happy to, happy to report that I was able to come back and fire up my computer and check in and find out that nothing had happened that hadn't been taken care of by my team. We'd made just as much money as I would have made if I stayed home, and that was a beautiful experience. There's, the world didn't fall apart. Everything happened. My whole business functioned, and uh, for 11 days, I wasn't even checking an email, and so that, that was a great epiphany. And so now that you have so much free time on your hands, I'm curious, where do you spend most of your time in your business? What do you focus on in your business now that you're not literally having to work inside of it? What do you do most of the time? Oh, my, most of my time, the first thing, the first place I go to when I'm ready to go to work is Basecamp. I go into Basecamp and I often start with a review. 
Um, if there's a particular task that's really important to me at the time, I'll usually go to that project first and, and get an update. Um, the second place where I'll go to when I'm working my business is Skype. I'll check in with people. Um, this is a people business and uh, I like people. I'm not trying to automate my business because I don't like to work. Oh, and for me, automating the business is wise. Yeah. It, it's better to run a business in an automated fashion, not because we don't like work. I love work. Honestly, if I go on vacation for a week, really by day five, six, I'm ready to go back to work. I like work, okay? It's not that. And uh, I like the people that I work with. And so I just touch and base. Hey, how are things going? Do you need anything from me? How's that project coming? Any problems? And so touching base with key people, uh, going through base camp. And then, Owen, I think probably the most important thing I do is what you're doing right now is content creation. Whether that's recording content, creating videos, uh, going to our Facebook pages, I feel like the best thing I bring to my business is the content. I can do that better than anyone else on my team. That's why I do a radio show, for example. On the radio, I can produce content in an hour that now creates all the status updates, tweets, and Facebook posting that my team's going to do for the next week. And so in one hour of content generation, we generate anywhere from 5,000 to 7,000 words. And from that, we generate all the social marketing that we need for the next week. So that's a, that's a high-level task that I, I maintain control of myself is the content uh, creation and one that I enjoy. So that's kind of my job. And then my team's job is to distribute it and make it into usable content out there in the social sphere. And if anyone can tell, the noise in the background is, is I've been trying so hard to keep a straight face and not be pissed. You, you cannot control some of these things. <laughs> but but you anyways, know, we, we must go on even though the construction crew is doing crazy stuff out there. But anyways, so... I think, I think your mic has uh, sound dampening because I can hear you very clearly. The background music is faint. Oh really? Oh, cause yeah. cause I'm going paranoid here because the noise is really loud, and I'm wondering if I don't know uh, if the, the audience can hear this. But anyway, hardly. The show must go on, and so a couple more questions. And, 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 and anyone who's been listening to this so far started listening to the interview based on the fact that they want to learn your hiring process so they mm -hmm. can hire, be it an employee or a contractor, but basically someone to come in to work with them. And what would you say is the very first thing that? Uh, that that person who's been listening so far needs to do in order to get started with creating a hiring process for their business. It kind of ties into the last question: is you got to ask yourself, you know, how's this going to how's this going to make money for my company? Uh, I have gone through periods of time in my business home where I've had a team of people be really busy and not be that effective or profitable. And so, you know, we got to think. Lean and mean, right? We're small business people. We're not big business people. You know, uh, a million dollar business is not a very big business, right? Yeah. And and for some people listening right now, if they have a little home based business, they may be thinking, no, that's really big to me. But trust me, it's easy in this size of business to waste time. So we we don't want to do that. And so uh, part of the key to this is knowing what they're going to do and how that's going to drop revenue to your bottom line. So make sure that you understand the effectiveness. Is, is this the person you need right now? Or is there a more important role that has to be fulfilled in your business? What is the biggest obstacle in your business that you need to overcome to reach your financial goal? Make sure you're hiring towards that. Uh, honestly, it's easy to hire someone to do stuff only to find out that that stuff 
isn't effective and isn't going to make you money. So you really want to be careful that you hire the person that's going to do the right stuff that, uh, for what your business needs right now. And also, uh, my listeners are always asking me to ask my guests, you know, what, what, what books are, you know, have had the most influence on you and why? You, you name the e-myth, but is there any other book that comes to mind that, you know, maybe you can help with this whole hiring process thing? Let me turn that into, oh, sorry, let me, let me turn that into the desert island question. If I was on a desert island and could only have three business books, here's what they would be. Four-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And those three books, I've listened to them. I have all three on audio, and I have all three in book form, and I've listened to them and read them and reread them, and those books have shaped my life, literally. And, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend all three. And not only that, I highly recommend exactly what I said. This is inexpensive. You know, people go and they spend $100,000 to get an undergraduate degree and an MBA at a great college and honestly don't come out of there with the power and knowledge and philosophy they could get from reading those three books. It would cost a person, what, 50 bucks <laughs> to get the physical version and the listen version of those three books and uh, they, they have made a huge influence, been a, made a huge impact on my life and I revisit them again and again and again. Awesome. And what's the best way, Dave, for anyone not anyone. For the listeners who've been listening to this all the way to this, uh, you know, and even regardless of the noise going out with the construction crew, been listening, you know, patiently hearing everything and wanting to go out there to implement. But what's the best way for them to contact you and thank you for doing this interview? Oh, well, you can send me an email at dave at escapethematrix.net. You can contact me at my website, escapethematrix.net. And by the way, we have a lot of great resources there for small business people. Um, I've been told many times that our blog posts we had to charge money for, and so I take that as a great compliment. So if you want some free, great training on uh, entrepreneurship, uh, go there. But yeah, David, escape the matrix. And I'd love to hear from you. Be happy to answer your questions uh, or, or do your podcast, or the case may be. I, I enjoy this, and I know you do too. Uh, I enjoy both interviewing people and being interviewed. We both learn through this, right? I had I had to think through. Uh, you know my answers and how do I do things and that's good for me and good hopefully good for your audience uh, but yeah I'd love to hear from them definitely and so just you've been listening to this interview so far and if you know another entrepreneur who will find this this interview useful especially the part where it has to be with creating a process to hire people for their own company please share this interview with them and if you know any other uh, entrepreneur who has systematized the entire business Please let me know. I, I would love to bring them on the show and interview them. And one more thing, you know, Fleet Process we're all about helping you create a system that will allow you basically to document exactly how repetitive tasks get done in your business so you can systematize your entire business. If you are at a stage in your business where you have to systematize the task in your business, go ahead and sign up for the free 14-day trial or speed process or if you're not at that stage yet but you want to understand the basics uh, you know behind systematizing uh, your entire business sign up you know, go to our blog and, and, and sign up for the checklist that will help you understand uh, which task you need to systematize in your business and why so I hope everyone you have enjoyed this interview as I have enjoyed uh, interviewing Dave and Dave thanks for doing this interview thank you so much it's been fun and we're done <laughs>